Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wall on us. Facing and taking on all the plate to pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and do their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. First up. As a reminder, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash techdirt, where we've got a backers-only podcast, uh, which was a fun one. And if you back there, you can also help determine what the next backers-only podcast will be about. Separate from that, I'd like to remind everyone that if you're listening to this as a one-off and you like it, please go and subscribe to our podcast in your favorite podcast app, and also to rate the podcast, review it, and share it with others. All of that really helps the podcast get noticed, so thank you. On to today's show. At Tech Dirt, we pretty frequently make use of the Freedom of Information Act, better known as FOIA, to make requests for information from our federal government. Uh, we also make use of similar state and city-based laws. All of these are designed, in theory, to make our government more transparent. Governments are supposed to represent the public, and as part of that, the public should have a view into what governments are doing on our behalf. Personally, I've filed, I think, a few dozen FOIA requests over the years with varying degrees of success. Uh, sometimes the requests turn up nothing. Sometimes they turn up nothing of interest. Uh, every so often, they turn up something fairly interesting. Uh, unfortunately, all too often, they turn up obstruction from, from government agencies who don't want to reveal what you're asking about. Uh, overall, though, I consider myself something of a FOIA amateur. Uh, there are a few people out there, however, who are clearly FOIA experts or FOIA professionals, using it to uncover all sorts of things that the government is hiding uh, behind the scenes. Those people know the system inside and out. And perhaps no one is more of a FOIA expert than our guest today, Jason Leopold, uh, currently a reporter for BuzzFeed, uh, but who has a long history of breaking some fairly amazing stories based on his regular FOIA filings. He's also a prolific FOIA litigator. <laughs> a report on FOIA lawsuits filed between 2001 and 2016 showed that Jason's 30-plus FOIA lawsuits was a close second to only the New York Times, and Jason only started filing FOIA lawsuits in the last few years, so I think that's a little unfair to compare it over that time frame. <laughs> in fact, in preparing this intro, I opened up the foiaproject.org website, which keeps a database of FOIA lawsuits, and right at the top, as the most recent case filed, is one by Jason Leopold. Uh, famously, Leopold was once dubbed a FOIA terrorist by the government for daring to actually use the law to increase transparency and report on key stories. Uh, Jason, welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. Hey, it's great to be with you, and thanks for inviting me on. <laughs> sure. So let's start with that FOIA terrorist label. Yes. Uh, I know that you've kind of adapted that now as part of your brand, but, but where did it first come from? You know, that, uh, yeah, it's true. I did adapt it as part of my brand. And uh, that was uh, a comment uh, that uh, the FBI had made about me many years ago. You know, when I first discovered that uh, 
that that FOIA could be such a that FOIA is such a powerful tool, and I discovered that uh, as a journalist, I could use this tool to break stories, to uh, find out what's taking place behind the scenes on a on a wide range of issues. Uh, I kind of went nuts and started filing uh, dozens and dozens of FOIA requests with a number of agencies. One of those agencies was the FBI, and uh, around the Occupy Wall Street time or the time of Occupy Wall Street, and I had been filing a number of requests with the FBI, uh, the, I was told uh, that uh, the uh, various officials within the FBI that I had been, quote, terrorizing uh, the, uh, <laughs> the bureau with, with my FOIA requests, many of which, by the way, are still, uh, still outstanding. Okay. And uh, so there was a, an email that went you know, back and forth uh, between uh, the records uh, information dissemination section, RIDS, which is the, you know, that's the FOIA section there, which, you know, they had dubbed me a FOIA terrorist. And it's funny because, uh, you know, uh, after that I discovered, again, through a FOIA request uh, to the Justice Department, that ju the Justice Department attorneys had uh, uh, referred to me as a member of a FOIA posse. Uh, and then, and then had... <laughs> And then they had joked that, uh, you know, oh, that should be his band name. Um, so, so behind the scenes, you know, the, if you're a frequent filer, uh, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're going to get labeled something. Uh, yeah. And it might as well be a FOIA terrorist if it's going to be anything. Right. Yeah. And, and did, did you discover that by FOIA request as well? The FOIA or? terrorist? No, yeah. that wasn't through a FOIA. Okay. You know, that, that was actually... Uh, what someone at the FBI had uh, had told me. Okay. Um, yeah, and uh, it's funny because I, I I'm still waiting for some documents on the FOIA terrorist, uh, and I mean that's one thing I haven't sued over, but I'm still waiting for them to give <laughs> me those records. So so let's go back. So how did you discover FOIA in the first place? You know, I had used it uh, to some extent during the uh, Bush administration years. Uh, but like, you know, like, like many journalists at that time, I felt that it was tedious, that it was, uh, took too long to get records. How am I going to, you know, uh, write a story? How is it going to still hold its news value if I don't get records, you know, uh, immediately? Um, and so I relied at that time on, on uh, filing a few requests, but relied on the anonymous sources who, you mm -hmm. know, who were, who were uh, providing me with information. And, you know, what happened was is that, uh, frankly, I've spoken about this quite a bit, is that I was burned by anonymous sources. And uh, it really cost me my credibility uh, at that time. It really was uh, quite damaging. The story that I, re I had reported uh, was, was not uh, um, accurate and uh, it was based on anonymous sources. And so at that time, that really, you know, tarnished my, you know, my reputation, my credibility. And I, I needed to figure out a way how to kind of re, regain that, how to mm -hmm. win back the trust of, of readers. And uh, about, I guess it was about seven years ago, I had been handed some documents from, uh, uh, from a nonprofit organization that uh, a, a civil rights organization handed me some, some documents that were, that were quite interesting. These were PowerPoint slides that showed how the Air Force trained nuclear missile officers on the ethics 
and morals of launching nuclear weapons. And this was a, a PowerPoint presentation that showed that Jesus Christ and a former <laughs> Nazi SS uh, uh, soldier, uh, were, they were being held up as the, uh, uh, as, as the moral sort of examples of launching nuclear weapons. And one slide said Jesus would launch a nuclear weapon and it oh showed, showed Jesus on a horse holding a nuke. Um, wow. it was, it was unbelievable. And, and yeah. you know, I looked at these records and I was, and, and, and naturally I immediately sensed a, a pretty damn good story. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, I imagine. you know, so I put it out, I made the calls, put out the story, published the story, included the documents with the story and just watched it take off. And, you know, that was really at a time when the public readers, you know, started uh, depending heavily on primary source material. They wanted to see, you know, what the, the primary source material uh, that one, you know, journalist could provide them with. And, and I did. And uh, it was really great to see how the story was picked up uh, how readers would not just, you know, re readers were able to, to trust you because you provided them with these records. So I should note that these records were obtained by the civil rights group through a freedom of information act request. Hmm. So I wanted to duplicate that. I said, I need to get documents. I need to get lots of documents and I need to write many, many stories like this one. So I was, I, I kind of took off from there and, and uh, really haven't looked back, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, is this, is this like a daily process? Are you filing FOIA requests every day? I do. I, you know, I filed it, 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 it got to the point where, you know, I was filing every day and uh, I wanted to do that for several reasons. One, I wanted to do that so I could build a pipeline knowing that, right. you know, the, 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 way in which FOIA works is that you don't get records on a, you know, you, you, you file a request, you're not going to get it tomorrow, you're not going to get it in a month from now. But if I filed enough, I, it would actually get to the point where I'd get mail on a regular basis, you know, several times per week. So I, I built up this pipeline and that's certainly what, you know, what's happening at this point. Uh, and I'm trying to do the same thing for this administration. And you know, the, the, the thing about FOIA, particularly in a culture that we're in right now, uh, a culture of secrecy, a culture where uh, you know, uh, people do not, government officials, whistleblowers, what have you, you know, people in, in, in those circles don't want to speak on the record. They're fearful. Right. They're fearful that they're going to be arrested. They're going to be prosecuted. They don't want to discuss uh, certain programs, operations, what, whatever it may be. And that extends to, to government agencies that, that are outside that sort of national security circle. Um, so when, when I get records, when I obtain documents from government agencies, particularly the CIA, the NSA, or the FBI, and these documents are actually declassified in response to my FOIA, it suddenly makes the, these sources, these people, um, comfortable that they can speak on the record. So it's, it's more than just a process of sitting behind my desk and filing the request. I, you know, try to find out from... You know, people who work at the agencies or former officials, you know, to help me, what can I ask for? You don't want to provide me with, you don't want to leak classified mm. info. Give me a direction. How can I file uh, or, or, or tell me what I should be asking for? So right. it's, it's also 
part of a reporting process. You know, FOIA, not just coming up with an idea or going on a fishing expedition, but I actually look for people who can direct mm. me to or, or can provide me some guidance with with what I should be asking for. Yeah, that's that's really interesting because I mean, one of the things that that at least I found in, in my, you know, uh, amateur FOIA requesting is, you know, knowing exactly what to ask for is really important. I mean, oftentimes yes. it feels like, you know, unless you ask for the exact right thing in the exact specific right way, you know, they'll figure out a way to deny it, um, you know, even though they should be able to figure out what, what to give you. That's right. Yes, it's, uh, it, it's true. And, and, you know, the FOIA says that basically one, you know, a requester just simply need to reasonably describe the records he or she is, are seeking. And, right. um, you know, that's, that's the easy way, but it's, it really does help to, to, you know, have a good targeted request to understand what you're looking for, uh, to do some research prior to, uh, uh, you know, firing off the request to understand an agency system of record where those mm -hmm. documents you're seeking, where they may be stored. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, you know, the department of Homeland security as a, for example, huge, huge agency. Most of the requests that they receive, guess where they're sent to? You know, they're sent to the main, you know, uh, uh, headquarters, you know, at, right. at the Department of Homeland Security. So, you know, if the, um, but if you're looking for information on protesters, you know, you, you'd want to send that to the Department of Homeland Security, Intelligence and Analysis, Civil Rights and Civil Liberties, you know, mm. uh, section. Those are the divisions that would likely have you know, uh, responsive records. So it's really, you know, important for a requester to kind of understand not just how, you know, FOIA works, but understand how these government, what these government agencies look like on the inside. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely had requests that ended up getting passed around from, you know, agency to agency within, you know, within a certain, uh, you know, part of the government. Yeah. And that could, that could, you know, ultimately be the, the difference is, is, you know, two to three months, you know, yeah, uh, or more. simply because yeah. it's, like I said, that bureaucracy that's there, they're not, they're not going to get it and say, Oh, uh, we're going to immediately take this over. They're going to take their time or they've got other things to do. Um, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it's important for a requester to kind of know that going into it. And for me, you know, I mean, look, you know, I, I have thousands of requests that are outstanding. Um, and I feel that I've been very successful in obtaining records, both, you know, as a result of lawsuits and um, uh, on the administrative level. But it's still a battle. You know, right. it, it's still you're still going to war with some of these, you know, with some of these agencies. And um, it's difficult. So for me, I feel like the more information I can arm myself with uh, right. that I can fire back at them uh, when they try to stonewall me or thwart my request with, you know, outrageous fees. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's only, you know, uh, to my benefit to, to, to be empowered in that regard. Um, and that's why, again, it's, you know, I, I make the point that it's not just me sitting behind my desk and firing this off. It's actually right. do it's a full-time job in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I can imagine. I, I always, 
you know, every time I file a FOIA request, I, I sort of have this internal fear that I'm doing it wrong <laughs> just because I, you know, I, I, I feel like there has to be more to it. And I'm sure that, you know, and, and every time I speak to, to someone like yourself or, or others who, who do this all the time, you know, I, I learn a little bit more <laughs> about, yeah. you know, how to properly file these kinds of things and how to understand the, the process even. Um, I, I, I have so many questions. So, so yes. <laughs> <sorry. laughs> um, so if you have sort of thousands of these outstanding requests are you are you tracking them somewhere do you have a system to, to keep track of what you I do and it's you... it's um you know it's a very simple one i mean it's it's simply just um you know it's uh it's, it's just a spreadsheet basically okay. the way you know when you file a foia request as you know mike that you 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 get you file your request you get mm -hmm. a response and a case number right you yep. know so I, I log in that case number uh, you're supposed to get it, you know, 20 business days. They're supposed to respond with records. After about a month, I contact the agency and I ask for an estimated date of completion. Now, by law, every agency has to provide an estimated date of completion when they mm -hmm. can estimate what your request will be, you know, complete. Um, and uh, I log that in. And... Uh, you know that makes that that's at the point where I decide should I sue over this? Should I just wait? Uh, should I narrow my request because uh, you know I'm I'm hoping to get these records in a timely fashion. Right. You know if my request is denied, I'll put in a, a part of the spreadsheet. You know appeal, um, but uh, that's that's all it is. It's just got different. It has different sections about uh, um, you know the from from start to finish. And even I, you know, I even try to, you know, log in there sometimes when I'm uh, uh, speaking with the, you know, the FOIA analysts, the FOIA officers at various agencies. Right, right. And I've heard like different opinions, and I think I think a lot of people who don't go through this process um, sort of assume that the people working on the on the receiving end, um, you know, handling all of these these requests, these FOIA requests, and and whatnot. Um, that they're sort of um, purposely obstructing <laughs> what people are searching for. And I, I found that I, I, in most cases, I don't think that's the case. I think, you know, a lot of the sort of professional FOIA staff actually honestly are, are trying to, to find stuff, though I think it does depend on, um, you know, yeah. who you're requesting from and there are differences within different places. Right, uh, right. What's, what's, what's your impression? Yeah, no, I, I, I would agree with you. I mean... When, their jobs are to simply get those requests through, process them, get them right. through the queue, uh, understand. You know, try, try, they 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 are there to try and understand what you are seeking, what you're what you're asking for. Uh, bear in mind that at agencies like the NSA, uh, the CIA, um, you know, and even the FBI, you're you're dealing with. You know, records that could be classified, right? So it's a right. it's a different it's a different level. There's a different level of sensitivity towards some records. Uh, so uh, you know, but for the most part, they don't care about what you're asking for. They just want to get that through. However, right. you know, at agencies like the Department of Defense, there are uh, um, you know, they, they do flag some requests, requests that would result, requests that could result in the release of responsive records that could lead to, you know, significant media interest is what they call it, or significant <laughs> media attention. And okay. those requests actually go up a chain of command um, and they receive final approval from 
you know, political appointees on, on the release. And that's bad. That's really, right. that's, that's at that point you're, polit, you know, politicizing it. Um, yeah. and, and that does happen at some agencies. Uh, but uh, for the most part, th- those folks that are calling you, um, they are not trying to, you know, uh, block the release of records. I will say this, however, that, and I deal with this often, that um, because they're so burdened, because they have such a massive, massive backlog, uh, mm-hmm. there will be instances when they simply try and shut down your request. Uh, right. it's, too, it's too burdensome. I don't know what you're asking for. You didn't reasonably describe your records. Right. Um, that's if I may say bullshit, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's just, that's just bullshit because what happens is, is that, is that they, they see what you're asking for and they know that it will result in quite a bit of work. Uh, and so, you know, there, there have been instances where agencies, you know, will try to, you know, uh, um, tell me that it's going to cost $10,000, you know, to process records. And when, when you do that, right. that's, you know, there, there, there's two things. One, at least for in my case, I know that it's just a way to try to thwart, you know, the processing of my request. And it's, yeah. uh, you know, most people are not going to pay that kind of money. Uh, so they're just going to throw up their hands. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's just one way in which they, uh, uh, they, they may do that. And, and it has nothing to do with the content. It has to do with, oh, man, you asked for a lot of records. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've definitely, I mean, that's the thing that I've seen the most often that, that sort of most troubles me is is the sort of fee requests. Um, and a few of those I feel like were definitely done. And this, I, where I've had it more is, is less at the federal level, but at the state level, I've had a few requests come back with, you know, just ridiculous fee requests, which I think were clearly designed just to you know, to get yeah. me to go away. And, and, you know, frankly, in some cases have been successful at that, um, which is, you know, unfortunate. But, you know, I, I know at least in some state cases, um, you know, there was one where I think like the, that particular state FOIA yeah. uh, law, um, you know, basically didn't have, you know, fee exemptions for, for journalists or things like that. And so, on the state level, um, it's really, really difficult. So on yeah. the state level, you're going to, you know, requesters and uh, people who, who, who often file on the state level, they're going to find it to, that it's, it's one, they're going to have to come up with the money. It's really, really difficult to defeat that. And, and it, sorry about that. Uh, and they use, um, uh, they use fees as an attempt to sort of, you know, for the release of records or, or to kind of get you to close out your request. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of other, other sort of obstruction <laughs> yeah. um, methods, I mean, exemptions are a big one that, that, you know, often get attention. I mean, you know, we've certainly published stories showing like, you know, documents that, that have been returned that are entirely blacked out. <laughs> yes. Um, that, I, I get that quite often. Yeah. And, and how, um, and we've also, you know, we've certainly, we've also written about cases where, you know, the same document will get released twice with different redactions, completely different redactions, revealing right. what was redacted. Now that, that's interested by, interesting, by the way, because basically when that happens, it means that two different, you know, officers uh, who are reviewing the documents see something that, you know, that, that they, uh, um, uh, that in their own sort of analysis would need to be redacted. 
Uh, right. So it's based on that. And that's why it's very interesting to kind of ask for the same document from two different agencies, because the security officers or whoever are, you know, whoever is responsible for reviewing records uh, will make different determinations. There's, there's nothing in, you know, there's no book that says this must be redacted under FOIA. You know, they're, they're making right. that, that judgment. Uh, in terms of what other way, ways in which agencies, you know, try to thwart, uh, um, uh, or, or rather withhold, you know, try to, try to, you know, withhold records. I mean, you know, it's no, the FBI, which is, I have to say the worst agency on FOIA. <laughs> I mean, they're terrible. I, I, I often say anytime I'm, I'm speaking about FOIA, I always say that the FBI is worst and I can't say enough bad things about them. Um, but they, uh, often will, you know, say that, uh, we, we can't release anything because, uh, ongoing investigation. Um, right. And under the law, what they're supposed to do is actually look through the files and make a determination about what can be, seg you know, what, what's segregable, uh, segregable right. in, the, in those records. They never, ever do that. Um, you know, the FBI often, you know, will uh, obviously in, in, invoke any, you know, any number of exemptions to try to, you know, withhold information. And, you know, in my um, experience, uh, I've appealed, I often appeal um, everything. And, right. uh, you know, there are times when I win and, and lots and lots of times when I lose. But when I do win, you could see that the, you know, times in which they withhold the information, it really has nothing to do with national security or, or even privacy or the deliberative process. Um, it's simply, you know, embarrassment. Sometimes things are just secret for secrecy's sake. Um, right. But, uh, you know, the FBI is notorious for essentially citing, you know, we have an ongoing investigation and, uh, um, you know, uh, you'll never get those records. <laughs> right. Well, we have the, the, the one case that involves both you and I in terms yes. of uh, FOIA and the FBI, where I think both of us basically requested similar things. If I remember correctly, I think it was like. Comey, uh, you know, former uh, FBI director Jim Comey's uh, talking points on encryption, I think, or right. something to That's that right. effect. This was and, right before everyone fell in love with Comey, I believe. Right, right. right. yes. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and and they, they refused to send you anything, um, but months earlier they had sent me, you know, a whole bunch of documents actually with the, the talking points. And, and, you know, I had gotten them and done nothing with them because they were kind of boring yeah. <laughs> there was yeah. no story there that i could find it's just you know the his talking points but the idea that one they wouldn't deliver talking points because talking points the very nature of talking points right. are that they're they're public they're for talking about to the press and to the public um, yeah. and second that they would deny that to you when they had already delivered the same documents to me um was, was really incredible it, yeah it's amazing and you know that is um you know something that's that that's so frustrating uh, because the FBI sometimes will make things very personal. You know, let me give you right. a recent example. <clears throat> I filed a request for uh, any records that they may have had on Prince, you know, who passed away last year, yeah. along with many many other people. Right. So a few weeks ago, the FBI releases these records uh, to uh, a reporter, I believe, for uh, the website Jezebel, um, and then decided to wait two weeks and deliver what they refer to as pre-processed records to everyone else. So even though we all filed at the same time, more or less, um, 
they're just sort of giving records to every you know the the records to everyone else but they're they're pre-processed records so they're it, it it kind of essentially what that means is that your you know the way in which you can appeal may be a little different mm-hmm. um you know the the in addition to that we're all mem- you know most of us members of the news media um it uh, uh you know we don't get the opportunity to report on it at the same time that you know everyone else does it's right. just essentially what i'm saying here is it's you know it's this arbitrary bizarre you know right uh, that, that also sort of sort of lets them pick favorites right exactly helps them helps them mold the story effectively yeah yeah and that's um that's exactly it so you know um you know the fbi is just terrible and it's probably a good time to note that if you're following a request with the fbi and you're landing in the uh uh, what they call the complex queue uh which is i would imagine most people um you know you're gonna have to wait 659 days on an average <laughs> to get to, to, to see if there's any you know records that you will get and if you land in the simple queue the simple queue <clears throat> is 50 pages or less if i'm not mistaken um uh-huh. uh, i could be mistaken on that but i believe it's 50 pages or less that's about six months so um you know the point being that there's such a huge backlog at these agencies right. and it and it's really for me <clears throat> one of the reasons that i you know, aggressively, uh, uh, you know, pursue records on, on through litigation and, and through, uh, uh, you know, the courts and trying to trying to get these records released. Yeah. And so, so let's talk about litigation, because, um, you know, I mean, in my case, when I've been sort of locked or, or stymied, I kind of just give up because um, litigation is complex and involved in costly and timely and yeah. or it takes a lot of time and, and all that kind of stuff and yet you've sort of embraced that yes i mean you know litigation obviously it, it should not have to come to that the, the, this is not the way in which foia should work um yeah. but look i'm a journalist it's important for me to provide the public with you know with with information in, in a timely fashion and if if it means that the you know the only way or or a significant way to get that information um, is by using the Freedom of Information Act, I, I need those records. And I, I, I right. know that an agency is not going to release it in a timely fashion. Um, I turn to the courts. And one, uh, you know, you, once you get to litigation, it's, it's a different playing field. You know, you, you go to the top of the pile. Um, you know, they, they have to respond in a certain time frame. You're dealing with, you know, briefing schedule, courts. Uh, it's it's just a bit different. And, yeah. um, you know, there's this belief that it is incredibly costly, uh, six figure costly. It's not, that's not the case. Uh, mm-hmm. sometimes it simply means, you know, filing a request, uh, or, or filing a lawsuit and, you know, your attorney really doesn't have anything to do other than filing the brief. Um, right. you know, because like I said, it's, unless you're going after something that's perhaps highly, highly classified, where you know that the government's going to dig in, it's going to fight, you're going to have to go through briefing and the lawyers are going to invest, you know, hours and hours um, or hundreds, thousands of hours that, you know, you'll rack up a bill that way. Um, For the most part, you know, the requests that are being filed are simply, you know, is kind of, like I said, getting to the top of the pile and the work is minimal. So, you know, uh, there's, there's not much to do there. 
Uh, and that's certainly been the case with some of my, um, some of my FOIA lawsuits. Uh, right now, you know, there's a number of lawsuits that I have related to this administration, certainly related to, you know, the allegations about Russia and hacking and, mm -hmm. um, and Trump's tweets. So uh, that may be a little bit of work because it's highly sensitive, obviously. And, right. um, you know, but, but um, it's not as costly as people think. Uh, and I think that, like I said earlier, there's also this belief that it will take too long to get the record. So why, you know, why bother litigating? Um, but I feel really passionate that it's really important to give the public to, you know, to, to force these agencies to either declassify or release as much information as possible, because this is the public's information. This, right. this belongs to the public. So, you know, with, in, in that sense, as far as transparency is concerned, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm incredibly passionate about it and, uh, you know, strongly believe in, uh, you know, open government. Yeah. No, that, that that makes sense. So for for sort of everyday people um, yeah. who who want to file FOIA requests, do you have sort of suggestions or, or tips or tricks or something that they? Well, should then do? I would be giving away everything that, that I do. <laughs> um, you know, well, I think tr tr trust I, me as so, as someone who who file who does file a fair number, I yeah. I feel that I am nowhere near. I, I don't think you could give away <laughs> enough tricks to, to get anywhere near yeah. uh, your stature. Of, you know, of, I, I think uh, I, I I am partially joking and and. Um, partially not joking, but, uh, you know, I think that the best advice I can give for, you know, for an everyday requester, um, uh, a couple things. One, you know, I don't think the FOIA logs are often scru are scrutinized enough. And basically what a FOIA log is, is that the agencies, as you know, Mike, every agency has to put together a FOIA log, which basically right. says that here are all the FOIA requests that we've received in this quarter, in this cycle. Uh, here's what these folks are asking for, here's what we released, here's what we didn't release. And once you go through those logs, what you'll notice is that the vast majority of, of individuals, of people that are asking for records are not journalists, right? Journalists actually right. only make up a sliver of all the FOIA requests that are filed. And so when you see these FOIA logs, you'll notice that some records are released and you, you may get a brief description of what those records are and you're like, huh, that sounds really interesting. Um, right. you, you never see those documents. So um, the simplest way to get you know, those records is to simply file a request you know, to the agency and say, I want all records released under this case number. Um, right. you know, so I do that. I think other folks you know, could, could do that as well. Uh, it's a good way to sort of, um, you know, there, there's a lot of newsworthy material there that's just, you know, that, that you, it, you, know, you never see, right? If, you, if, right. You're, if these agencies are receiving, for example, tens of thousands of requests, uh, in some cases, hundreds of thousands, you know, in, in the course of a whole year, you don't, see, you obviously don't see hundreds of thousands of pages of records, or even let's say at the bare minimum, you know, 50 to 100,000 pages, right? We just don't right. see the, the volume of stories. And like I said, because journalists are not doing that. So a lot of these records are simply being used for commercial purposes. Sometimes it's just attorneys filing requests that, you know, that, you know, they, they want records for their client, but there's a lot right. of great material there. So I think that, um, that's, that's one way in which, you know, um, one, you can get records faster and par particularly those that have already been released. 
Yeah. And, and, and just to sort of round this out, do you have, uh, there, there are a couple of these, you know, sort of platforms out there now, like, uh, you know, uh, Muckrock being the sort of most well-known, I think, that right. sort of ha- help people file FOIA requests. Do you have any opinion on, on those kinds of th- services? I, I think it's great. I mean, I love Muckrock I, and, and I, um, I have great respect for Mike Morrissey and, and Sean Musgrave and the folks that, you know, really, you know, Pat Brown, folks that really, Yep. helped um, uh, uh, bring it to the masses in a way, to make it easy for people to file either requests on themselves, um, but just making the process uh, work. And, you know, for me, I, I, I don't use, you know, Muckrock. Um, I have my own templates um, that, that I use, but that's really important because they've actually made, you know, the process by which one would file a Freedom of Information Act request very, very easy. And uh, so they've already, you know, kind of removed the, the, the tediousness that goes into uh, doing that. And it's a great look, you, you, know, you can track your request through them, uh, you, you get notified when, you know, when your records are in. So I think that it's a fantastic service. And, you know, their, their track record is, uh, is great. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm, I'm a big fan of theirs as well, and I actually use use the the product as well. Um, that's yeah, for for most of my FOIA requests. But look, you know, I think I think right now what you're seeing, you know, today there was a you know that report out. I mean, uh, excuse me, there was a report out. I think it was last week. You know, a 25 year high for FOIA lawsuits. Um, right. You know, last year, last year the uh, you know President Obama signed into law the you know, the FOIA Reform Act, that Congress spent a long time trying to tweak the Freedom of Information Act to make it easier for requesters to obtain records, to, you know, they codified into law this, um, you know, this uh, uh, memo that uh, Obama issued on his first day in office, uh, I think it was his first day in office, uh, essentially saying that, you know, when in doubt, release the records. We all know that right. that never really happened. <laughs> um, right. But the fact is, is that there was changes to this law, and these agencies right now are not really abiding by that. They're not really, um, you know, we're seeing that records are being withheld, for example, Um, and uh, agencies right now with a new administration are trying to figure out, oh my God, what do we do? You know, Donald Trump tweeted that uh, his wires were tapped in Trump Tower. and we're getting FOIA requests for that. What do we do? Well, you know, in my case, an agency issued, the Department of Justice issued a glomar. Um, a glomar meaning they could neither confirm nor deny, which is outrageous right. because, you know, as the president ha- is a, an original classification authority, um, he, he has the right to immediately, you know, instantly right. declassify anything. So, you know, it, it's... You know, I will say that I what I have seen, which I didn't think that this was the case last year, because I actually thought that we weren't getting anything under Obama. Um, you know, even though they said that they were the most transparent in history, it's just, it just wasn't true. You know, right? Uh, so it was still very difficult, and I figured that the status quo would remain the same. I actually see it being far more difficult right now, hmm. and I, I really don't know what to attribute that to. Um, other than, you know, perhaps some nervousness behind the scenes, but, uh, you could be sure that, you know, obviously you're seeing an uptick in FOIA lawsuits, but people are turning more and more to the Freedom of Information Act. Groups are using the Freedom of Information Act, uh, more often. And I, and I think that, um, 
the fact that you know over the past say five years where where we've seen lots of you know news stories not just stories that you know that i've written but stories that other people have written on the freedom of information act and seeing how this tool can be a tool of accountability right um that's that's really now uh being taken advantage of in in a very good way so i'm i'm particularly happy to see that um although I really hate having to wait for these damn records. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, either way, uh, we certainly appreciate what you do. I know we've, we've certainly written about many of, of yes, your... Yes, thank you, and I appreciate your, that. <laughs> your, ...your scoops, and, and we expect many more to, to keep coming as, yeah. as that pipe, pipeline continues to, to flow through. Yeah, got to keep building that. <laughs> Hopefully you won't have to keep filing so many lawsuits, but I fear that that, that will be yeah. the case, unfortunately. Um, but uh, I, I appreciate you taking the time, time to, uh, to join us and to have this discussion. It's, it's, to me, it's personally really interesting. I'm sure it's really interesting to everyone listening as well. So, so thanks so much for, for I, taking the time. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Mike. Sure. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back next week. Pie, to grab a shovel and think of the tap. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get.